You know, Dylan. Yeah, uh-huh. Henry. I'm glad that you know in the past when we were living together or when we were able to go to parties together, I just yeah. You never, uh, you know, beat the shit out of anyone or yeah. or pulled a gun. That's I, me. Yeah. Just in terms of our friendship, I really appreciate yeah. that you don't. Um, yeah, I never told you about that gun I bought. No, and I'm glad you didn't because I had plausible deniability. No, it. Yeah. I, that was good. I do enjoy our uh, our late night freestyle rapping sessions, though. Those. Yeah. That's yeah. really warm my heart. And I did visit you in jail multiple times. Don't I appreciate about that. that. No, seriously, I appreciate <laughs> it. I really, really do. It's no anyway, problem, man. Um, let's not talk about my jail time. <laughs> yeah, and, sorry. <laughs> and instead, get into the show. Are we funny? Is this funny? I hope this is funny. Hulk! Titan! Do you buy your thumbnails? I do buy my thumbs up! Do you buy your thumbnails? Just tell us. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. No! Deep breath. Oh, you made it. Welcome back to Frames and Fools. I'm Henry. And I'm Dylan. And on Frames and Fools, uh, it's a movie podcast where we talk about movies. And uh, me and Henry are two longtime pals and uh, cohorts, chums, broskies, brohemes, Broberham Lincolns, uh, brochachos. Got on a real bro uh, kick there. Well, because it's easy to do the the thing. Comrades, fellow comrades. Compatriots. Compatriots. Brother from another mother, that's always a good one. Throwback, yeah. Yeah, throwback. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, before we get into it, we like to do a little thing called movie moments on the show where uh, me and Henry talk about a a cinematic thing that happened in our life the past week. Uh, you want to kick it off? I'd love to. Um, you know, I think it was on, I don't know, the Instagram Explore page or Snapchat or something, but they, they made those little yeah. tiny kitchen sessions where they'd cook tiny little meals. So cute. Yeah, they make little uh, grilled cheeses mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Super cute. Uh, I work at a cafe. I still work uh, a few times a week. Do you and, do grilled cheeses? Well, so one of my coworkers, <laughs> two of my coworkers were talking about Jello, just talking about Jello. So then the next yeah. day, one of them brought in Jello mix and they bought a bunch of little, Cubes. no, like little shots, shot glasses and made Jello oh, shots, cool, cool. non alcoholic. Put some seltzer in there. It was good. But we that just have. Fun way too many little tiny cups and someone said tiny kitchen looking at one of the cups and i said hang on and we sell a a honey lavender latte at our cafe so i pulled a shot i put just a tiny bit in the cup just about the right proportionate amount for a shot a tiny bit of honey a little bit of the lavender syrup we make a one little ice cube and then oh my god poured some oat milk in there and I got it just right. It literally just tasted like this teeny tiny iced honey lavender like, latte. Did you just like put your tongue in there? You just go like, and then it's done. No, I, I sipped at it in little tiny sips <laughs> as if it was a normal sized drink. Um, That's the also, cutest thing in the world. Isn't it? We also do little yeah, yeah. Uh, affogados, which is just a scoop of ice cream, uh, 
some espresso, uh, and some whipped cream. Did you and make a mini one of those too? We did. We made tiny little scoops of ice cream, put a little bit of a shot over it, and then put a little tiny. <laughs> I'm really good at the whipped cream, so I put this little, little, you know, flower of whipped cream on there. That's delicious. Yeah, and they're really good. If someone handed me that, it was like a Costco sample version of an espresso drink, and I was oh my god ready for more in heaven. Yeah, so that that's my delicious. that's my tiny movie moment for the week. Hell yeah! Hmm. Uh, mine's the Fourth of July. The fourth, uh, because uh, I live in LA, and LA is very notorious for having just crazy Fourth of Julys. Uh, last year, I was on a friend's rooftop in, um, I think, Atwater Village, and it was just like. Literally, you're just surrounded by fireworks because nice. everyone and their mother are just like lighting them off. And this year, I went out in the kind of back part of my apartment complex and had a couple beers and watched the air pollution begin. And it was wild. Let it was me tell beautiful. You. you sent me some pictures. You you kind of live on a hill, so you got this yeah. really nice panorama of it was pretty rad stuff going off. And like they're the the neighbors literally right next to us, like flanking the apartment complex, were doing them too. So you'd hear like, and like your body would shake. Uh, I love it was it. pretty rad. Yeah, but I love it. Um, this week on the show, what did we watch? We watched 2018's Blind Spotting. Uh, so you had seen this before? Yes. I was lucky enough to see this in theaters. I watched it in wow. San Francisco back in 2018. Good for you. Um, I love this movie. I I really really like this movie. Um, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. And if you didn't know, uh, they recorded two two EPs of music, one for Colin and one for Miles, uh, the two main characters, mm-hmm. and they are fantastic. They are so oh, damn that's very good. Cool. I'll have I, to listen to that. And honestly, you know, most of the time you hear about tie-in music or stuff like that. That's you know, I'm about it a these days, even if it's bad. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I went into it with very low expectations. I am shocked that it didn't get more loved. I'm shocked it yeah. didn't. And it's Davi Diggs. Well, they're you'd think, both. But you'd think yeah, they're both like, rappers. Yeah, they're both rappers. They do this all the time. They're both poets. They have workshops where they teach people. So like, they know what they're doing. You'd think Davi Diggs of Hamilton fame when didn't even know he was in Hamilton. Well, yeah, I did, I've he, never seen him. I'm kind of just like on the outskirts. He played uh, right Lafayette now. and Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton yeah, in I, the original Broadway cast. Uh, I had an inkling about mm-hmm. his performance, and then I looked it up. I was like, but you'd oh, think okay, with that in. kind of pedigree or that that platform that people would have heard, oh, he just came out with music. Let's check it out because probably it's so probably damn all good. the like. The like musical theater nuts know about no. it. Mm-mm. Really? Not not That's any weird. that I talk to. They know about everything. Eh, that when eh. when well, the musical theater nuts I know they know about everything. I guess so. But <laughs> I was just shocked that it wasn't more of a cultural force because it's so good and it's they did a really good job of. They're obviously scholars of like Bay Area hip hop, so they yeah. had a bunch of. Yeah. Uh, Bay Area rappers on it. They had E40. Um, a lot of the beats Ooh, are yeah. very Bay, which is I, oh, so man. cool. I've been so, it's been so exciting watching so many movies about the Bay Area because I feel like until these, I mean, there were movies about the Bay Area, but the past yeah. like five years, 
there's been at least like five or six, and I've just been so excited to watch movies about San Francisco and Oakland. It's and cool. Like, yeah, it's it's very cool and makes me feel very um uh I don't know proud. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These, well, these movies are like a lot I of them are really like you, critical, but I feel yeah, proud sure. to be of that area. You know. I can tell you as somebody who moved here in 2006, so I feel like I grew up here, but I also, you know, was sentient somewhere else as a child. And uh, it, it's a hell of a thing living somewhere that major movies are filmed and are set. It's very Um, cool. And I think a lot of people around here take it for granted. I mean, shit, I live down the road from Google and all these other big companies. So that becomes normal too, but it's very cool. Right. So, and that kind of, leads us into it that opening montage was super interesting right because it felt very familiar and a lot of the you know landscapes and a lot of the sites were very familiar but as a town yeah i I just haven't spent that much time in the east bay in general yeah um oakland especially i think i've been to berkeley once oakland two or three times yeah i went to berkeley one i've been to berkeley like a few times but like i've been to berkeley once and Hold on to your pants. It was to see a Mumford and Sons concert. It was Ooh. like to do the widest of shit yeah. ever. <laughs> that was when I was in high school. So, so yeah. So that gives you all listening a bit of context. So we're from the Bay. Uh, I'm from the South Bay, closer to San Jose, more on the peninsula. Uh, Dylan's the from bay. the North, which is the North. I, I love that Santa Rosa is the Bay. Bitch, it is the Bay. I know. Everyone's it is. always like Santa Rosa's not zone. the Bay Area. I'm it's like, not no, a it geographic is. zone. It's a cultural zone. It is the North Bay, yeah. the Bay Area, my friends. It's in the area of the Bay. So, so. that opening montage was interesting. Um, you know, seeing seeing all these different things flash past, and it it also really grounds the movie. What were we watching? Uh, recently, oh, fucking Uncut Gems. We were talking about how having real elements to these stories adds this this layer of depth that feels very uh, mm-hmm. gripping. Um, yeah. There's something about real footage and there's something about real people that I, I'm just in a story. It makes Colin and Miles feel real. So, so real. That is, I think that's my favorite part of this movie. I had... I have incredibly mixed feelings about this movie because Do there's you? some stuff that, that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. I think they did a lot that's like really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but some stuff just felt weird. Uh, it felt, it made me think of, the the thing that I could relate it to is uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, not content-wise, but filmmaking-wise. I don't know if you've mm. seen that, but... I. I've seen clips. I've seen the opening scene and a couple other stuff, but I haven't sat down to watch it. It does a similar thing of having very grounded conversations and a lot of the conversations between uh, the two main characters, Miles and... and, uh, Colin. What's the other guy's name? Yeah. Um, A lot of the stuff is really grounded and real and there's very real moments, Mm -hmm. but then there's also this like really kind of surreal dream sequences and kind of fantasy elements and and last black man does a similar thing but uh i personally think it succeeds better than this does i i'll have to watch it because i thought the blend was really nice in this that's one of the things that i'm drawn to this movie because is because there's this little bit of 
you aren't sure if something's a hallucination or if it's real or if something happened exactly that way or if it's yeah i don't even have a word for it not stylized but you know interesting i felt i loved the script like the structure the relationships mm. i absolutely loved i per i just the directing felt uh funky to me and a lot of the dream sequences felt kind of uh film schooly a little like student filmy I, I feel that and it is a debut like a directorial yes. debut yeah and that's why and it, they only shot it for like a hundred or like one million dollars or like 1.2 million yeah budget was 1.2 um, and it made 4.98 yeah the pretty limited release what something like 500 screens like two weeks basically yeah but so, I kind of put that up against Blast Black Man in San Francisco, and it was a similar situation. They maybe had like, I think they had 1.8 million. Uh-huh. It was a similar budget movie. Um, it Blast Black Man doesn't have as crazy like uh, dream sequences, but it blends this real grounded visual look with a more of a storybook element mm-hmm. and kind of out there weird characters. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot about this that I like, so I don't want to like. I don't want to harp on it. I don't want to no, shit on sure, it. sure, sure, There's just a few things that, that kind of irked me. But um, overall, I liked it a lot. And there were just little bits that weird, just felt kind of weird. And yeah, I think the second half of this movie is the best half. I think the beginning. Interesting. Well, do you, okay, do you see now, when we were talking about this and talking about potentially doing it, and I described it as it's actually pretty funny. And yeah. based on the subject matter, that can seem kind of like a, a crass statement or it can seem it can seem odd. But the back and forth between the two main characters and partially because of like the scenes wherever uh, Miles gets his salesman persona on, things like that are these elevated yeah. scenes that it, it moves into something else. I'm trying to think of a director that kind of has that similar... Somebody on the internet said uh, it has kind of Spike, Spike Lee feels too a little bit yeah um and um, i can see that i can definitely see that inspiration and it i think that's what kind of irked me in a weird way is that you wanted it to be one or the other well no but the i don't know a lot of it was visually a lot of the problems i had were visually interesting i thought it was it kinda, beautiful i thought that first scene when that first scene shows up i thought it very much looked like a a student film in or the car like in the car, it just looked like yeah. a weird TV. Like, like, like I it looked like I was watching like high frame rate TV. Mm-hmm. But the scene is so good, and the interactions are so good. I, I feel my, I feel like they tried to push the budget too far. Is kind of how it felt. Like they wanted to do some things, like the dream sequences, but they just the didn't have the resources to really do them. With the quick way, uh, quick way, right? Yeah, quick way. Yeah. yeah the first yeah. scene with the car and the quick way felt like it was kind of from another movie the quick way set oh, all the people there yeah the car the idea of the car it was very funny and it was very interesting but once it got past that scene i yeah. in the theater once it got past that and it felt smaller and it felt scrappier that yeah. first scene felt like oh wow okay and then it, it shifted in a sense i still dug it i still liked it a lot but yeah that felt more like a set and it felt more like this constructed reality and the rest of it felt so natural and and it literally felt like they just brought a camera into someone's mom's house in Oakland. 
Yeah, that was kind of the interesting part is, and how I felt about the salon scene is I loved his, his I like the dialogue, the whole setting mm-hmm. I loved about it. I think I really wish that they got, they were weirder because they kind of towed this middle ground of weird. I know. And what a part you mean. of me wishes they would have gotten like a. Because you don't like, disagree with either weird. intention or flavor no. of movie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a matter of. Just the director, the, the p- perspective. You know, yeah, full force intention, which. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like we could probably chalk it up. And it, the director, uh, his name's Carlos Lopez Estrada. And, and some music videos. Mo- yeah, exactly. Mostly music yeah. videos. Mostly, who are we talking about recently? Kind of a similar situation. Um, I don't know. It might have been on the show. We have so many fucking conversations about yeah, movies. I can't but even. <laughs> yeah. a lot of music videos, a lot of, you know, commercials and things. And which I see this and I'm shocked it was as... Um, I think they started with a really good script, but it was solid, Absolutely. you know, tone yeah. issues aside and, you mm-hmm. know, going for it when you want to go for it versus not going in that more surreal direction. Definitely yeah. still, oh, you know what it was? Sorry to bother you to some extent, just in terms mm-hmm. of a directorial debut. Yeah. That's the one I could relate to this also. Is it's super low budget, it's weird, but it toes a line that... And they were shooting this at the same point in Oakland. They were shooting oh, these yeah. concurrently. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember yeah. reading that when we were in the, the trivia for that one. Yeah. Um, but it's a similar thing, right? Where it's like, there's that line, and do you go for it, and you just, you just sprint towards that... Get weird. ...heightened yeah. reality and get weird, or do you keep it grounded? And I think blind spotting is more restrained. And I think I really like that, especially seeing something like Sorry to Bother yeah. You set in the same town, but going in this farther direction. Yeah. That quick way scene, just just the production design, the set, the, the, the way it was shot. Dancing. The people dancing. It was very odd, yeah. It, that felt more like Sorry to Bother You for me. That felt more like, not bad, yeah. just different. And yeah, then the yeah. rest of the movie took a different tack. Even the yeah. dream sequence in the courtroom, which we'll get to, even yeah. that felt okay because it kind of, it's in that logic of, okay, but it's a dream sequence. And I was like, cool, yeah. great. It's almost like yeah. music video rules where someone tells you it's a music video. You're like, cool, it doesn't have to, you know, it well, doesn't abide I, by the same rules. Yeah, that's why like, weirdly enough, I, I'm not a huge, I like dream sequences, but I, I these days I prefer them to like happen in their waking life. Like I'm not a huge fan of like, dream sequences because it kind of gives an excuse like uh is the scene where he's running and seeing all the people on the that's a hallucination uh, yeah that stuff i love that stuff Mm -hmm. well because it makes you ask questions about the world that yeah and it gives you a perspective of like is this just metaphorical like having that show up and then you start to question yeah is this is this what he's seeing is this something that's actually happening in his head so then you have a scene like the final confrontation and it casts yeah. an interesting layer of doubt over it that lets yeah. you buy into it more because it could be a dream sequence. So when it ends and it isn't, it's still okay, right? You've kind of yeah, laid yeah. that ground. And I think this movie also does that really well. Just in general, it lays the ground for where it's going to go. So when it happens, uh-huh. it doesn't feel weird. Down to yeah, little little totally. jokes and little little gags. Like when they go to the old house, like like, Commander Miles, Commander Smiley, and then when they get to yeah. the yuppie party, and you know Miles tries to do the same thing, the same and Colin's thing, yeah. not into it. 
there's lots of that. There's lots of this kind of call and response, callback sort of thing going on. I think that's weirdly enough why it reminded me a lot of Last Black Man in San Francisco because the two main characters have a similar relationship mm. where they're two best buds. One of them's kind of weird and he's a playwright and the other one is like more grounded in reality. Yeah. So it was just so similar and and in in those ways. Um, but the beginning of this movie, just to, as we go through the movie, yeah. the beginning of the movie felt like a sitcom to me and it was very weird. Because there's a lot of like, not in a bad way, not in a bad way. Um, Up until I'd probably say, I don't know, roughly around halfway through the movie. Like, uh, I can't remember specifically where it is, but I think it's after, um, right up until uh, the guy tells the story about what he did to go to jail. Jesus, that's a long time, my guy. Not in a bad way. I'm not saying this in a bad That's way, but it has these like... more than halfway through my notes. That's is it more halfway? Like, yeah. I don't know. I, so I you're saying the first maybe, half of the movie had those kinds of vibes? It kind of had sitcom vibes because there's a lot of weird noises and then like they'd zoom up to the... They, they'd like... They'd yeah. whip up to the window and they'd zoom in and they'd be like, hey, what's going on? And it's like very like... I don't know if sitcom is the right way I'd describe it. I've been watching a lot more um, like HBO and like premium like AAA TV. It felt a bit like that. Really? Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I think in my head, it's just that line's getting more and more blurred where you're seeing more content that's on television that's, and this is just, this is so dumb to say this at this point because it's like a duh, but uh-huh. it's just yeah. as premium as films. At this point, it's just a matter of format. It's do you want to tell a long form story or not? But there are still yeah. stylistic things that sort of come with that, right? Because if you're shooting this massive show, you have to do it budget consciously and stylistically some of that stuff comes into it it's you know what i'm talking about and yeah, no, no, i can no, definitely see that where it had sort of television vibes at the beginning not no i'm not it, saying i'm not saying like no 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 but if somebody came to me and was like yo they're making a blind spotting tv show i'd be like yeah of that course that would be great yeah it'd yeah, be fantastic you know that and would, then it just kind of totally continues yeah. them seeing their city because the other thing we haven't mentioned is this is a movie very much about gentrification about identity but largely identity as a town and identity watching the place you grew up um change in ways that you can't really control and yeah so and police brutality and the prison industrial complex (laughs) yeah exactly so (laughs) also those things there's like a lot that they and they do it really well that's the thing that like i don't Mm want to say that this is bad because they do the stuff that they set out to do very very well and i think the best parts of this movie is are when they're tackling those issues is they do it very very which is is shocking that like the best parts are when they're handling heavy shit um yeah yeah so this movie's about two friends, two childhood friends in Oakland. Um, Miles is, uh, in the movie, he's, he's just white. And in real life, uh, he's half Latinx and half white. But in the movie, he's white, kind of grew up in the hood. Um, Colin is black. Um, and later on in the movie, we find out that they were both involved in this incident where they beat the shit out of this hipster guy that's out of a bar who was being a dick. And Colin ends up going to jail for two months because of it and catches a felony. So this movie takes place at the end of his year-long parole. Um, And you see that number of how many days left being put on screen throughout the beginning. 
I didn't and like the font either. That I, I really didn't like I the didn't font. Like. I was going to say stylistically. <laughs> well, and that's what didn't help that opening car scene for me yeah. either was that popped well, up. And... The one thing about that opening scene that I loved is when they, they pull out and he, he's got those huge ass wheels. Huge. Massive. So funny. I don't think The I've whole conversation about the big. guns and everything is, it's so funny. It's very funny. It was funny. <laughs> incredibly funny. So... So that's how we start, right, is is Colin is trying to keep clean, trying to, you know, not get stuck in anything messy, trying to got, yeah. And he's got three days left. He's living in a halfway house. He has a curfew. He has to be home at 11. So he works at this moving company with his buddy and drops him off after working. And on his way home, he's stuck at this red light. He's watching watching the clock tick by, getting in frustrated. As we've all done. And he's got that fucking, he starts like singing to himself and he's like, come, come on, on, come like, on. Come on, come on. You fucking like, come on. And it's very funny. But uh, he witnesses a police murder. And by that, I mean the police murdering someone. Yeah. Um, I love, I, this is unfortunate because they keep picking picking actors that I love to play racist cops. The guy who plays the cop who shoots yeah, that guy. Yeah, he looks familiar. He was in Can't Hardly Wait. He's been in a couple other things, and Ethan I just like Embry. him a lot. Yeah, he's a good. I just like him. No, he's great. He's super good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he he's memorable, right? And for a guy who's in the movie for two scenes, that's fucking yeah. wild. True. So this cop, um, this black man, runs through the frame, hits the front of the truck, and makes eye contact they with like Dobby Diggs' character, Colin, and then starts running down the street. Cop comes into frame, the guy yells, don't shoot, and then the cop puts four bullets into him, killing him. And then the cops come up and are basically like, get the fuck out of here. Which I was going to ask you, would they tell him to move along or would they keep him there? I don't know, man. I thought they they were going to be trying to get a witness out? I mean, they have that moment where the cop turns to him and for a second you think he's going to shoot him too. I didn't think Um, he was going to shoot him. I thought he was going to be like, he saw him and was like, oh, he saw me. And I was like, his buddies are gonna come, like arrest him, also. Like that. Well, that's what I mean. I guess there was him. there was danger yeah. there. Anything could have happened, yeah. and it was this very stressful situation. I felt there's like a lot of there's a lot of tension in this movie. Yeah, it's very well, stressful. Colin's situation and his parole and just the fragility of that. So he's not allowed yeah. to leave Alameda County. Um, he has to be home by eleven. Uh, I'm sure they're drug testing him. There's all these different things. Um, basically, when you get a felony. Um, there's called uh, felon disenfranchisement that happens. Yeah. And it's, you're not allowed to own guns. You can't vote. You're basically not a person anymore. They no, you're not. You're not a human being. The government tells you <laughs> that you are ours now to do with basically whatever we please. Um, yeah. When he's in jail, there's a scene later where he's talking to the cute little kid, Sean. Yeah. And he notices the bed frame. He's like, oh, I used to make these. And the kid's like, where'd you make beds? He's like, oh, in, in prison. And yeah. it's. It's a small thing, but it, it touches on, um, in case you didn't know, under <laughs> our uh, country's constitutional laws in the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery, left a little asterisk, a little, little, little asterisk <laughs> that said that yeah. you can uh, still have slaves as long as they, it's being used Earned as a punishment. It. Yeah. Uh, that's what crimes. there was one line when he comes back to the halfway house I think it's the mm-hmm. second or maybe the second or I think it's the first time actually when the whoever's running the halfway house like stops yeah I didn't get like, a name hey. for that guy but he's great he says this one line that like really it hit 
it hit home for me in a weird way, but he basically says, like, you're a convicted felon, and you will be, and you have to prove otherwise at all times. Yeah. And I was just like, that's... I've always thought this, but it's they this line put it in such a perfect, simple, eloquent way. Um, and it just pisses me off. It makes me so fucking mad <laughs> that like you do one stupid thing and you're not a person anymore. Our country has a very oversimplified, fucked up sense of right, wrong, and punishment. Very intense policies. Um, including things like minimum sentencing, which basically takes away a judge's ability to normally judges, right. Can look at a case and, you know, create a punishment that fits the crime. They can, you know, this basically says you can't do any less than this community service or they can sentence, you know, time in jail or they can do different things and they can in a way be creative with the way that they try to make somebody rehabilitate back into society and realize they fucked up. But then a, at a certain point, mandatory, mandatory minimum sentencing laws passed that took that ability away and basically said, oh, this crime happened, here's the punishment. Whether or not there were circumstances I involved think, didn't matter. I think that was during the Clinton administration. Somebody can fact check me on this, but I, th- earlier, I think it was It might have been during the, the war on bill. drugs. Because um, I think with Clinton came the three strikes policy, which basically, if you get three felony convictions... You basically go away forever. There's a lot of it's a fucked up. There's a lot of weird of shit. Stuff. We don't have to get super detailed yeah, sure. into it. Just know that the justice system is really fucked up in the United States, and exactly. they talk about it. And this one character in particular has become a victim of. There's this, and there's this larger sense of when he's talking about him being, you know, a felon, and that he has to prove otherwise at all times. And there's kind of this this fragile sense of better watch out because like you have to be better and all this sort of stuff. It's it's also kind of this not even metaphor, but this extended thing that extends to his blackness and the fact that he's living in a society where he does have to be better because he's going to mm-hmm. be treated differently. And yeah. the that comes up in a big way between him and Miles in later conversations because they both have very similar struggles. We'll, we'll get to it. I've got a whole thing I want to read. Yeah. But um, there's a lot going on. And the beginning of this movie when he's still on parole – there is this tenseness to it where the whole time I was like, God, please don't get pulled over. Do anything stupid. Yeah. 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 Don't let miles get you into trouble. So when miles starts getting him into trouble, it's so heartbreaking and tense and there's so much happening that just, yeah, it's very effective writing. I'll say that. Truly. Yeah. Very much so. (laughs) Uh, their kid, Sean played by, uh, Ziggy Batinger. So adorable. Let me tell you, right when this movie started, Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning, when uh, Miles is playing with this kid, I was immediately like, best dad contender? And then the movie went on, I was like, nope, dang it, that was... That was a he, real good start. Really good start. He's low-key a good dad, but he has his always problems. Good dad with massive, you know, blind spots. (laughs) Um, which we will definitely get into, but I hear you because that I, I have it written he's here. So cool. I love Everything's good, so nice. good couple chemistry in movies too. Um, They're very good. Him so. and Ashley played by yeah. Jasmine Cephas Jones. So good. good. I love good couple chemistry because I'm watching Euphoria right now on HBO 
And I, it's partially a style thing, but there's so many people that are coupled up on that and I don't get it. And it's... Doesn't vibe. So I like watching movies where I'm like, oh yeah, if you told me yeah. that they're a real couple, I'd absolutely mm-hmm. believe it. Um, they go to the yeah. corner store every morning when he picks them up for work. It's very fun, yeah. Does he just get one cigarette? How does he... Yeah, what? people do that. You can just buy one cigarette. You can just buy one Maybe cigarette. Maybe from that guy specifically. Okay. But I know there's there's people who sell, uh, they're called, what the fuck are they called? We Singles. literally just talked about this. No, they're called something very specific. Uh, loose They cigarettes? are called uh, Lucy's. Yeah. They're yeah. called Lucy's, I think is what Are they called. legal? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. think so. Okay. Um, but yeah. So people do sell single cigarettes. and I was just curious because he does it a couple times throughout the movie. And I was like, damn, just one? I mean, I guess it's an effective way to curtail your smoking. Yeah. But uh, I love a little I bit about that. green juice. One of the mm-hmm. one of the tendrils of gentrification uh, creeping in is the corner store start selling the, the super juice. expensive green juice. And this is the exchange when they see it. So they're talking about it. He grabs one and he goes, how much? $10. They both say, What? And then Miles goes, what is this, the blood of fucking Jesus? The fuck is in this that it costs $10? And working at a cafe that sold very similar green juice for a while, and it was $10. No, it was $9. I had to have that conversation all the time. Let me tell you, it's good. (laughs) I know. And I love that by the end of it, Miles takes that sip, and he's, he's like, oh, that's actually delicious. I think um, their their dynamic. I think they complement each other well because mm-hmm. just as actors. Because I think uh, yeah. the guy who plays Miles, he's much better at like comedy, and yes. uh, the 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 guy who plays uh, Colin, he's much better at, at like serious stuff. There was a few times where he was just acting normal that made me feel kind of uncomfortable, just the way that he was like moving his eyes. Who Colin? But when the serious scenes happened, yeah. But when like he was getting real, it, I was very much into it. I'd probably attribute a lot of it to, I mean, obviously he's a stage actor primarily. That's what I, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, yeah. he acts for the stage. So when he's still, he's very good. Yes. And when he starts moving, totally. it gets very weird and kind of like uncomfortable. I feel it. But no, I definitely feel they, it. They complement each other really well. A couple good quotes from the, the next couple scenes. Uh, when they walk into work. <laughs> And Miles says to Val in that voice that mm-hmm. he uses for her, and he goes, Colin was involved in a shootout last in night with the police. <laughs> She's like, what? No, um, no, no. Um, I love in the, the locker room when he turns to one of the coworkers, he says, Yorkie, stop saying bugging. You live on the West Coast now. You live You're on a the Californian. West Coast now. <laughs> Get with the fucking program. Uh, He's right. He's very, very much right. <laughs> the Wayne Knight scene. Uh, Newman it's from quite Seinfeld. Love the Wayne Knight scene. The Wayne Knight scene was interesting to me because he was like he was kind of this mix between like a gentrifier and like an Oakland guy. It was very interesting because yeah, he I'm, seemed like I'm he was upper class, but he was I'm, also getting like moved out. You yes, know? I'm very glad they threw that in there because it painted a more complicated picture of gentrification, where it's like, look. There's also yeah. artists or people who have been here their whole life, and they might not look like what you expect when you read these headlines, but... But they live here. But they live here. They're sad about seeing this town change as well, and they're getting pushed out too. Um, I think that's what's really cool about most of the movies that I've seen about gentrification is they're not like... They're not like like Miles' shirt that says, kill a hipster, like save the neighborhood. Like mm-hmm. It's not that. 
most which of the I like that they put that in there. I like that they put the watered down sort yeah. of motto in there as a joke, and that's the way he thinks that gets very him, much. Yeah, yeah, and then that's what ends up kind of getting him into a fight is because it looks fake. Yeah. It looks like it's something I love a hipster the, would wear. I love that scene when he puts it on and he's like. Oh my God, what is yeah. this baby T-shirt? Yeah, this is a baby shirt. It's too he's small. So, yeah, he's so <laughs> uncomfortable with how tight the shirt is. It's great. Look at his little baby shirt. That's so great. He's so <laughs> disturbed by the fit. And it's so it. I it was very genius because like it's such a it's a funny bit. And then he goes to the party and it's like that shirt fits you perfectly, and you look like a hipster now because you're a haircut. He literally just put a shirt on him. Yes, and he looks like kind of kind of a hipster. You know. And that's that's kind of those moments where something follows through several scenes and it, it shows up as a joke and then turns into another joke and then becomes this thing and it's this cute moment with his son and all this stuff happens. Yeah. And, you know, also, shit, dude, that, that scene where he gets the shirt and tries it on, that's yeah. right before um, the gun his kid scene. finds the gun. Oh, my Which God. I know we're bouncing around now, but dude. It's fine. We can bounce. Let's bounce around. We're 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 getting there. Yeah, that scene. Uh, I, every so time stressful. I watch this movie, my heart drops in my chest. Like, they come out, and then the camera, like, so goes stressful. over them. And it's just, yeah. So it's... we <laughs> we hinted at this before. We love good movie dads. Uh, bad bad yeah, dad moment that was so stressful this whole movie i think that scene encapsulates how i feel about this whole movie is like it's stressful and then it has this release of like a media comedy and then it's stressful and then a release well, that of one, comedy that one the comedy didn't happen until they well, got that to the fucking party that one was like, no 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 oof. but like they do they have these breaks where like mid 90s doesn't it's just like fucking mm-hmm. stressful could you like imagine a movie that felt like the kid with the gun the whole time you just be like emotionally a wreck, but like it's, not. In the it's good hard way. to. I, don't know. I know that's what I'm saying. I've seen so yeah. many movies that are important and they're about important things, and it's kind of not cool to say it. But at the end of it, you're like Jesus fucking Christ, and you it's feel exhausting. like you haven't had a break. And I think one of yeah. the genius things about this movie is the this thing makes that you I want to go back and watch it. Again. When I tell you, hey, there's this movie that came out about gentrification and police brutality and all this other fucked up shit, and it's hilarious. Like it sounds. That's what's crazy. I mean, that's that's the same what I'm with saying. The... It sounds wrong and it sounds fucked up, but it's true. They are so good at releasing just enough yeah. of the pressure while also letting it build up throughout the whole movie, yeah. so that by later, you know, Colin and Miles have this big blowout. They finally, you know, yell at each other over this central friendship conflict, and then that's... the scene after it, that wordless scene where he's walking down the street. And the cop rolls up yeah. on him. Oh my god! And he's got the so gun in his pocket. Stressful. Yeah. I, incredibly stressful. Incredibly so intense yeah. and so much going yeah. on, and nothing is said, and it doesn't feel preachy. It literally just feels like this, like knife's edge moment of, yeah. oh my fucking god, everything's built up to this, and I'm about to watch this guy die. Like. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I hope he doesn't fucking die right now. I was like, he very well could just die. And this could just be the idea. And that's kind of the sad reality. I mean, there's another part too where um, Colin's mom gives him a pamphlet to give to Ashley so they can basically teach their biracial kid like, hey, the cops might kill you. So you got to be very careful with how you interact with them. And he's what, three, four? 
I don't know how old he is. And that's so sad that you have to have those conversations with kids. That's another thing about our country, by the way, if you well, don't live here. Yeah, we, we, if you we, haven't, if you we, haven't heard we, about we, it people by know. now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've got a little problem with the cops. Um, it's interesting, though, that mo- I keep coming back to these two other movies that shot in the Bay Area and about gentrification and, and mm-hmm. systematic racism, like a lot of those things, but... Both of those movies, Sorry to Bother You and The Last Black Man in San Francisco, are both mm-hmm. really funny. And they yeah. and they're both fucking weird. And like it's just cool to see this this blending of entertainment and it, it's just more real to life. I you know, because sure. you have moments of like that are just fucking weird. And you laugh it out, you know, and then it gets immediately sad right afterwards. As important as it is to watch something, and definite shouts out to Ava DuVernay, as important as important as it is to watch something like Thirteenth, where it's about really intense, important shit, and it's all these interviews with fantastic people, you know, spitting truth and like bringing yeah. your attention to something super huge that we need to talk about. It's also a really heavy documentary, and. Yeah. You get something else like blind spotting or sorry to bother you, where it's still intense, it's still important, but it is funny and there is this release of tension. And then once you watch this and you get upset about these things, something like Thirteenth goes down in a different way because like this, this sort of this makes me think about a uh, an interview that I listened to with Wallace Shawn. Do you know Wallace Shawn is? He's the guy, inconceivable guy in uh, Princess Bride. Oh. Okay. He's a he's a playwright. He's like a pretty famous playwright. But I was listening gotcha. to an interview with him on on Chapo Trap House and they were talking about art and whether art can like change the world and if that's just like a fallacy. And something something he said was like I don't necessarily think art can change the world, but I think it can make people ask the right questions and highlight yes. things so that people can want more. And I think what's so important yeah. about these kind of movies that are fun and weird but ask real questions is, you know, it's like Mad Max. It's like a, you know, like a, a Trojan horse where you're like, this is the best way to give important information to somebody while still being fun so that th- afterwards they, they think, whoa, I had no idea about this. I'm going to go learn more, you know. Mm-hmm. I And I think that's the important part instead of saying like, being really real and trying to teach somebody something and being like, this is what you need to know. This is it. And I think it's more about sparking people's interest and yeah. making people more aware to go learn knowledge, you know? Totally. And I mean, and we are saying this from the perspective we were born with, right? Two white guys from yeah, suburban of America, yes. right? Yeah, so yeah. I feel like I've definitely seen plenty of people, myself included, kind of go through this journey of, you grew up in the fucking suburbs. Like you didn't see these problems with the police. You didn't see these different things until you got older, made friends who told you about their experiences. You saw movies like this. Then you go out and you seek these different things and you seek to learn about it because it's fucked up and it's, you know, a side of life that is just, it it deserves a spotlight. Right. And yeah, this is just a good way to get them in the seats. Exactly. And I mean, I think with any, form of art with any topic with any with anything the more of something that there is and the more sort of diversity of projects like documentaries are great but if that's all that you have on a certain topic if someone doesn't think they're a documentary person they're not going to hear that 
if you have, mm-hmm. if we have action movies and if we have dramas and if we have comedies and indie movies and they're all, you know, there's so many speaking vehicles. about important things. That, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's all these vehicles yeah. towards the same goal of getting different stories out and, you know, speaking to a certain perspective or like if, if you tell somebody, hey, let's go watch a movie about gentrification. It's like, ooh, I don't know if I'm in the mood. But if you're like, hey, let's go watch this fucking rad movie with Davi Diggs and it's set in the Bay Area. You go, awesome, you know? What you could say about this is like, let's go watch like a, not a buddy cop movie, but like a, a two best pals comedy. movie. It's a buddy cop. Yeah, let's go watch this buddy comedy and then you get yeah. him in the seat and then they watch it. Like that was a lot more intense than I thought it would be. Like, but it was a buddy comedy still. Yeah, dude. I, <laughs> you could be like, <laughs> if it's I didn't not see necessarily this coming, about but it's a buddy comedy. I think about the times I've, uh, I'll say tricked, tricked my friends into watching heavy movies because I knew <laughs> that if I actually described them, they would never watch them. And, yeah. Yeah. There is so much. I think I just want to talk about the scene where we find out what Colin did to go to jail because yes. personally, it's done very well. I think this is the best sequence in the whole movie. I think it is so good. And I think the way that it ends, not just the funny parts, but the way that it ends, it's a sad punchline that hits so well. Um, mm-hmm. When the guy comes in and he starts fucking, it's, you, you can explain it better. But So what happens is um, Colin goes into work, Colin and Miles go into work, and these two guys are walking out and they've been in there to buy boxes and, you know. Get move, moving stuff. Yeah. Stuff, moving stuff, as you do. And the guy turns to him and goes, yo, did you used to work the door at this one bar? And for some reason, Colin says yes, because he did. But I don't know why he doesn't just lie. But he says yeah, yes. You're the score people. And the guy, guy. turns, like, smacks his friend and is like, hey, <laughs> this is that guy that I told you about. This is the Scorpion King. And <laughs> proceeds to tell this story that like, is told. Like the best way I can describe this is, so the drunk history style, where someone is narrating, they're telling a story in the present, and then you see it acted out, and everyone in the story, is. their lips are moving to what the narrator is saying with yeah. his voice. It's um, so good. And basically what happened is that, and this is what put uh, Colin in jail, was this like asshole hipster guy is at this tiki bar that Colin works at. Miles is there with him just hanging out. and He's working the know, door. He's Colin's, the bouncer. Colin's working the door. He's a bouncer. He's doing the whole thing. He's low-key justified in what he did. Low-key. Um that low the key. hipster uh, <laughs> Casey Adams, I believe, is his name. The actor, incredible um, so Chet, Chet the hipster. Chet. Was his name Chet? Oh, his name's Chet. Man, so so perfect. he buys the Scorpion Bowl, which is the this Scorpion like twenty dollar premiere. <laughs> anyway, hipster hipster buys the thing, drinks on fire. It's got all this tiki shit to it. They put a lay around his neck, so he takes it's it outside hilarious. to show his other hipster buddies. And Colin is like, you can't bring that out here. And the guy turns around and very condescendingly is like, basically like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go inside in a second. Just showing my friends. No, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. And the guy keeps pushing the point. So Colin goes, okay, cool. I'm going to need that drink then. 
and goes to take it, and the guy fucking shoves him. Who fucking, fucking shoves? Well, first he like kind of puts his hand on him, and then he pushes his hand away, and he's like, "Yo, dude, yeah. like, all right, it's time to go. Give me the drink. Yeah. You're you're out of here." And then he like shoves him, mm-hmm. and then they just uh, Colin goes after him and starts beating him up, um, punching him in the face. And then it gets mm-hmm. really real when uh, Miles comes in and just like really starts wailing on. Well, and throughout this, so then the 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 guy catches fire because of, and they mentioned this earlier on in the movie where yeah, they're yeah. talking about shit and they're talking about him going to jail, and then Miles says the line, "How are we supposed to know that hipsters were so flammable?" Which is <laughs> so great. Um, Truly. Really so incredible. the guy catches on fire. The cops show up, and Colin gets two months of prison time. And Val, his ex, has fell she said she says it in kind of a mean way, but everything she's saying is true. Where she's basically warning him throughout the movie: if you stick around with Miles, you're gonna get in trouble. Like you're gonna yeah. go to jail He's again, or you're gonna get killed. Because look, yeah, basically you guys did the same thing. You beat the shit out of this guy. You got prison time. What if what if the guy had had a gun? What if Miles had had a gun? What if yeah. the cops showed up and started shooting? They would shoot you and She's right. Like a lot of the stuff she's saying, it hits and it's this really intense thing. And I I wrote a little thing because I was thinking a lot about friendship and this kind of thing. And I was kind of in my head role playing, like what if this was you and I? Um, And the thing I wrote was, uh, how do you stay friends with somebody that is dragging you down? Somebody that might get you killed because their struggle, though similar in some ways to your own, doesn't have the same challenges that you face. How much is loyalty worth in that situation? How much is that friendship worth in a time when your city is changing, you're losing the place you grew up in, and the safest thing to do is to get rid of your chaotic best friend? Because that's what it is. The guy's you just gotta struggling, hash it out. and he's chaotic, and eventually they fucking talk it out, and that's the way to do it, folks. Fucking communicate. Talk to each other. Well, sometimes please. I think this was a, a perfect storm of communicating because like, I think if... I think if he would have had that conversation with Miles earlier or just a normal conversation, he would have told him to fuck off. And I think throughout the whole movie, he and the incidents that happen, mm-hmm. his kid with the gun, the fight. Yeah. He that's what makes him really yeah. learn the lesson. Like if he were to have that conversation, be like, hey, man, you're stupid. He'd be like, fuck you, man. Like, go away. Yeah. You no, I, I simultaneously totally agree that watching it build up and seeing him learn it for himself makes it feels a lot better. And at the same time, I I do think, especially if it's while he's visiting him in jail, there could have been that moment where he's like, Hey man, I appreciate you sticking by me. But like part of the reason we got into this is, you know, and to be fair, well, and he may not even to be realize fair, it. Colin until started that, the, the fight. Like movie. even though miles kind of contributed, like that was, a lot on Colin. That's the tricky thing about this is like, Oh yeah. It's not like he went to jail for no reason, which is kind of the crappy part is they really should have a dude. Yeah. They really beat the shit out of that guy. Um, but they both should have went to jail really for sure. And I mean, I, matter of fact, the, yeah, matter of fact, the friend that I went and saw this with a couple months later, like I just had to have a conversation. It wasn't a similar situation, but it was like that that moment of like, hey, look, friendship's not working. Like, and I wasn't trying yeah. to save it, but that was just a friendship that was like a year old, and we were super close, but had to have this really heavy talk. I can't even imagine like if you and I, you know, 
if you were getting in me, me into some shit and I was like, look, basically like the friend breakup talk where it's like, unless shit changes, I'm out. That's well, I tough. think that's a like, fair, that's, that's a fair, that's so I can see that. I don't know. It, it, yeah, I can see that happening. And I think why this, the whole sequence hits so intensely and they, they do balance, like ride this line of funny and serious. After the party, after like the, when they're yelling at each other? No, no, I'm talking about the, the tiki torch scene. Oh, um, okay. I'm getting back to the scene that we, sure, yeah, we started on that kind of spurred. Well, no, I was just saying, I, I think why the scene so succeeds so well is that uh, it is so funny. And I was cacking, like just laughing the whole time because yeah. the guy who's narrating it is hilarious. And he keeps mm-hmm. calling this white dude, uh, Jason Biggs, <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris, Topher Grace, and my favorite one. So Portlandia's on the ground. <laughs> they're like beating the shit out of him um but the scene's so funny but the the after part of it when it hits and he's talking to val and the two guys are like well, before that she, she well, there's, she a, there's says, a shot before that where in the in the flashback like of what's happening it's funny and there's the funny music and there's the drunk history thing and there's even a part where the guy goes I hate my, and he says, and he's like, I hate, I hate my, my dad. dad. <laughs> and you see Miles say that. And it's hilarious despite this yeah, horrible violence happening. Funny. But yeah. then before the scene ends, the music cuts out, the narration cuts out, and you get the audio of what's actually happening. And it's the two of them beating the shit out of the well, guy. I thought that was, I thought that was after it cuts back to Val and she says, yeah, they beat the shit out of him. And then it cuts back to her memory of it. Oh, it, it might. You it see, might. And then you see what, like, it's not funny anymore. And you see the guy being like, I can't breathe. I love that. I love the fact that in one cut, it is not funny at all. Well, it's like a perspective and change, which is so totally. cool. Um, but then those two guys are there, and the guy's like, uh, okay, uh, well. Yeah, we're, we're going to go. <laughs> see you later. There... There is another moment where he says uh, he says the N word. This dude's an Indian dude, and he's with like a Filipino mm-hmm. guy, and he says yeah. the N word, and then it cuts back, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, um, I'm always supposed to say that with you." And he like turns to his friend, he's like, "Yeah, no, don't." Do it. He's like, "I was fli- I was messing," and then he gets back in. <laughs> yeah, it's like weird brief apology, and then he jumps back into it. <laughs> the point after that, where where they have that really intense conversation, and I think he says something to the effect of like. This kind of gets into the whole last argument scene where he is basically, they're talking about each other's identities and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Miles is defending himself for being white and not being white, but it's complicated. But the. Well, his, so his identity crisis is stemming from the fact that when you look at him and you, Especially even at the party where he's got his grill, his, you know, he's got his gold, he's got his chain, he's got his rings, he's got his tattoos, all of that. And you still look at him and he gets misread as basically somebody gentrifying and somebody coming in and taking over. And there's this tragic like miscommunication moment where they show up to the party. Colin goes and sits down with one of his friends and her partner and they're the only three black people there. So then her partner goes to the kitchen to get drinks and talks to miles and misreads it as him being one of the tech yuppies who's there. And they get in a fight because he thinks that miles is just another one of the assholes. 
So well, he thinks Miles, Miles is basically taking black culture. He's very specifically like, "Hey, stop acting black, dude. You're white." That's like very specifically the the altercation there between. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I I think it's I think it's both. I think it's he's he's calling him a culture vulture because he's someone yeah. like the guy. Because when they show up to the party, there's also this. He says, "What's up, homies?" Guy, <laughs> well, what's his yeah. name? Sid. The white fucking, dude. I don't know. The guy who's throwing um, the party. The guy who's throwing the party like, is like a CEO or something, and, and he's just yeah. the fucking worst. Cool yeah. shirt, but he's the worst. And he has the same Oakland neck tattoo as oh, that, Miles. Oh, man. And that's, it's, this it's is where funny. it kind of sets it off. Kind of tips him off, yeah. So it's, it's both, right? So the guy, the partner kind of looks at him and is like, you're a culture vulture. You're one of these tech yuppies. Like, this isn't... Like, who the fuck do you think you are? And it just sets him off kind of on this, like, he just snaps. And he kind of has this, like, wild dog look in his eyes. There's a a couple, like, brutal shots where he wins the fight and he turns and he looks at Colin. And it's a POV shot. And they're both looking at each other. And he just looks lost. He looks so fucking lost and dangerous and just, like, scared. And he turns to the party and the CEO is like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, get the fuck out of where, huh? Get the fuck out of where. And then pulls out yeah. the gun, shoots it into the air. And this is, uh, this is post fight with the guy. Yeah. And this is miles. Yeah. So his whole identity crisis. And then they run away right after he fires the gun, Colin gets it away from him and gets him to run away. And they end up having it out and yelling at each other. And Miles is upset because he's losing the town he grew up in. And people just think that he's the reason that that's happening. So he gets misread. Yeah, he has the feeling of people look at me and they misread me. And then Colin's like, oh, oh, is that how it is? And then, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Miles says to him, you're a big black dude with fucking braids in Oakland. Nobody is misreading you, Colin. To which Colin says, yeah. I know. That's yeah, that is. The and point. there's just all, it's it's like pain butting heads. It's like the the well, conversational version of those two goats that bodies. like smack into each other. Yeah. Yeah. And they're in this crappy situation where like the place that they grew up in doesn't feel quite like home and they feel yeah, threatened in the skin they're in for different reasons and in that moment they can't find that common ground and it's like heartbreaking and it's just Yeah. This feels like a great moment to um, pull out the blind spotting thing because they talk about it in the movie. They state their theme very clearly, like mm-hmm. very clearly. <laughs> um, yeah. I, it's I liked a good it scene. though. I thought it worked. No, yeah, I, yeah. So Val's studying for some sort of degree and she's looking at, she's studying for biases and things like that because in the salon scene, it ends with Colin getting his hair permed uh, to which Ashley says... Uh, that looks fucking terrible. But he has <laughs> to go over scene. to his ex Val's house to get his hair braided again. And um, he's helping her study. And she has these mnemonic devices that she's using to try to remember. Mm-hmm. Little like um, catchphrases. Slang. Yeah, exactly. So she's she's coming up with these things and she tells Colin, oh, like I'm, I learned this because of you and you, you know, doing the freestyle thing. But one of the things they're talking about is he notices a picture in the textbook and it's that classic um, 
it's not an illusion. It's a, it's just an illustration that has this point, but it's the two faces looking at one another, looking at one another. And Mm -hmm. depending on how you interpret it, it's either a vase or two faces, or as Colin says, face, 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 face. Um, And it, it, she breaks it down and it's basically like, oh, it's, it's kind of this idea that you can see one or the other or both, but not at the same time. And Colin asks, well, can you learn to see the other one? And she says, well, yeah, you can learn to, but the other one's always going to be your instinctive bias. And then he asks her, what, like, what word did you come up with, come up with for that phenomenon? And she says, uh, blind spotting. Ta-da. So What's the count? How far did we get in before they said the title of the movie? <laughs> it's very late. It's it's very late because no, no, they have the, yeah, stu- yeah, no, the studying true. scene happens, then all the intense shit happens, and he calls her to kind of, you know, for solace, and she kind of doesn't understand, and he ends up hanging up. But that's mm-hmm. what they talk about. Um, yeah, Miles goes home. And he's beaten to shit, so Ashley helps like sort of patch him up, and they they have that moment where, well, at the end of Colin and Miles blow up, he basically is like, "You're the one that they're out here looking for. You're the one causing trouble." Oh, I, I'll just read it. I have it. One of the things he says to Miles is, "You out here acting an ass like it ain't no fucking consequences for that shit." And everybody who sees me thinks that I do the same dumb fucking ignorant gun carrying shit that you do but I've been taking care of my shit. And he's basically just calling him out. Like you have this leash. You have so much more leash than Colin does. Even if you're doing the exact same shit, you walk away from the situations and Colin goes to jail or worse. And that in mind, at the end of their conversation, Colin, he's, he's called uh, miles, the N word throughout the movie in this affectionate way. And at the end of their conversation, he basically tells Miles to call it, to say it back to him, basically with this point being that you you are what people talk about and you are what people think I am. And it's this, this really intense moment that kind of needed to happen for him to see that. So then when he goes back and he's talking to, talking to his partner, Ashley, um, and she uses the N-word and he basically is like, don't, like, don't please, please don't, don't call, me that. call me that. Because <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden he's listening, right? All of a sudden he's he actually paying attention what to what's like, happening yeah. around them. And he feels that. And yeah. he, he gets this tiny little window into what it's like to be Colin for a split second yeah. in this tiny way. Um, she says something interesting that I, I liked. She says, I know why you thought you needed to buy a gun. And I really like how that was phrased instead of, I know why you thought, or I don't even know yeah. how else it would be, but you know what I mean? Like, well, no, I know she, why you she could have said, I know why you bought, I know why you bought a gun. She could have been like, yes, she basically could have said, I agree with you, but you need to tell me next time. She was basically like, mm-hmm. I know why you thought you needed to buy a gun, but if you would have told me, you know exactly what I would have said. And I would have told you this is going to happen. And I know that. Yeah. And she's basically and, like, you need to be smarter. Also, if you're not smart enough, tell me because I'm smarter. You know, it was yeah. kind of this cohesive conversation where it was like, 
you know what I, what I would have said. Like, exactly. Yeah, it was really good. And I just, I liked how she phrased that. Um, and it was funny. I know the movie is super heavy in this later half, but in that moment, I was just watching. I was like, man, her twist braids are great. Like, her hair. So and that so good. Yeah, It yeah, looked yeah. awesome. I thought, I I thought like, the same damn. thing, actually. Um, I thought the same thing. I, I it was a very tense about... moment, but I was like, wow. And then I had the separate thought. I was like, everyone in this fucking movie is beautiful. Everyone like, looks great. Ev- yeah, everybody. Good. The fucking good, annoying real estate agent, the mom, yeah. <laughs> the stepdad. Literally everyone in this movie the is gorgeous. stepdad's so cool. I had a thought about... Um, the last, not the last scene, but the scene where he's pointing the gun at the cop. And when I first watched it, let's yeah, let's get into it. At the end, well, he does the whole the he you know spoken words at him. Uh, but the mm. thing that caught me is when at the end when he leaves and Miles is still there, and the cop says, "I didn't mean to." I I th- I had this thought in my head where I thought back to when he saw him get shot. And I was like, I don't remember really what happened. So when I watched it again, he mm-hmm. shoots a guy like four times. So that made mm-hmm. me question, it made me think if either that cop was just lying or this was like a, a question about perspectives where like he definitely shot mm-hmm. the guy. Absolutely. Yeah. But did his, did Colin's perspective hyper accentuate that situation no. also i i don't i don't think so because the the quote after that he says i didn't mean to and miles pauses and then he says are you sure oh is that what he says mm-hmm. and okay. i'm really glad they threw that in the are you sure because yeah it doesn't really matter it no doesn't no really matter yeah that like I'm not saying this anything towards you. I'm just saying like it doesn't no, no, really matter yeah, that um, Patrick is the cop's name. Patrick Molina. No, 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 not Patrick. Um, uh, bu- 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 oh, it's just Officer Molina. So Officer Molina, you know, it it doesn't really matter whether he meant to or not. The guy is still dead, right? Yeah. yeah and it's this, yeah. it's this fucked up thing of it doesn't matter if it was your over-militarized training kicking in. It doesn't matter if it was your us versus them cop mentality kicking in. It doesn't matter what the reasons were that led to that moment. The guy who was running away with nothing in his hands got yeah, four he, bullets he, to he the sh- back, yeah, right? Shot a person, yeah. And, Absolutely. And I, because obviously this movie took on that much more weight these past couple months so watching it you know after george floyd and watching it you know almond aubrey everything that's going on um the guy's still dead right like at at the heart of it like we still have these yeah, issues yeah, as yeah, a absolutely. society we have to work through but it was and it was interesting to see that other side because i don't think you really see that perspective in movies like this all that much so basically so at the end of this movie, just to spoil this whole deal, they go for this moving job and they're helping this woman and her kid move out of the house. And then when Colin goes in to pick up the last box, he overturns a picture frame and we don't see who it is, but then he goes I, in the garage. You know it's the cop. 
You know, it's I know, crap, I know. Right? <laughs> but he overturns the picture and he's disturbed. And he, then he hears glass break in the garage and he goes in. There's a Blue Lives Matter flag. There's the Oakland PD flag. There's yeah. back the badge, all this sort of shit. And there's this dude here. And then you put the pieces together. Oh, shit, this guy's wife left him. He's torn up, but this is the guy. This is the guy that yeah, shot yeah, the, yeah. the guy earlier. Yeah. And then he sees Colin and recognizes him and thinks, and Colin's not in his uniform that day. And he thinks, For oh, some shit, reason. this guy tracked me down. Yeah. Um, I think it was it was literally just for that moment of he's not in the uniform. He just looks like someone yeah. who walked into his garage. No, I know. And just like mild, weird. No, which, I know. There's, I they, know. There's so, no, I'm just saying they're so good at setting things up that when that happened, I was like, yes. oh, that's weird. Usually they set this yeah, they, they stuff up. Yeah, they should have said like, I forgot my uniform, haphazard. but we got to go. Or maybe, yeah. I think. Oh, no, it, you know it what could... it was? No, they did. They absolutely set it up. Do you know what it was? When? What? When he shows up, because he always shows up in his normal clothes to pick up Miles. Yeah. Then Miles comes out in his uniform, which is unusual, and says, hey, I called in and got our first move for the day. We don't have time to go back to the office. We oh. just have to go right out. I didn't hear those details at all. All I heard was I didn't he put was it together, late. but that I thought is, he was just late. Was. Okay, no. gotcha, gotcha. No, so he showed up like normal. Sense. Normally they go and they change, they grab their stuff and yeah, they go, but yeah. he called ahead, got the thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, so cop sees him and they set up earlier, they're talking about the Oakland PD and they're like, oh yeah, they don't hire in town. It's always people who live elsewhere. Why yeah, would yeah. they do that? Oh, it's because they think if something happens, someone's going to go track yeah. them down and shoot them or whatever. So then the guy sees him and he goes for his gun. Colin happens to still have the gun from mm. the night before yeah. in his pocket of his jacket, which is slightly unbelievable, but he has the gun. Uh, yeah, that's a movie. And it still has two shots in it. And he pulls it out and basically is like, ah, 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 and holds the cop at gunpoint. Miles comes in. He's like, what the fuck's well, going on? And then for him. he delivers this spoken word rap cathartic monologue that is incredibly powerful and intense and speaks to a lot of these things and a lot of the pain he feels and it's it's kind of just this outpouring of you know pain i I don't know a better way to describe it 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 literally feels like pure pain pouring out of him pain and fear and just distress Um, absolutely and it's obviously this you know this very, very literal thing of two sides looking each other in the face. Um, and one of them has the gun on the other in this sort of flipped scenario. And it's, it's very intense. Truly. Did you, did you have more thoughts about that scene? You summed it up quite well. I'm sorry. I don't have more to say about it. No, Um, it's fine. I'm, I'm trying to think of something else I can say, but it really is. You have to watch it because it, it all kind of builds up and then that happens. And especially the first time you watch it, you're not expecting speaking to your point earlier about how this movie sometimes has that sort of heightened elevated reality. Mm-hmm. When he does the freestyle, you kind of can't tell if it's happening or not, but it is. Well, they set it up a little bit cause they're always freestyling and like, no, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. It does make sense. Um, and speaking as somebody who used to freestyle rap in high school, we had a hip hop poetry club. Uh, That's right. Freestyle rapping is both terrifying and definitely cathartic hard. because it's so 
in the moment and vulnerable and Sounds personal. Fun. And it feels like do it. feels like you're gonna say stupid shit and everyone's gonna you know. Yeah. So like it, my my minuscule glimpse into that world, it makes a lot of sense. And the spoken word that I've been lucky enough to hear is, it kind of taps into something very very human. Hearing someone speak like that with rhythm without any music behind them is so visceral and so real yeah. and so in the moment. It was a very, very strong choice for that. Uh, yeah. Do you you got anything else there? You want to move on to the frames and lay yeah. fools? So just that last uh just that last little bit when they get back in the truck after this and they're driving along and Miles is driving for a change. <laughs> And their exchange goes like this. They stop at a light. I think it's actually the light that he saw the guy get killed at, if I don't, yeah, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And he turns to Colin and says, you good? And after a very long pause and a tear going down his face, he just says, no. Yeah. Which I That's, love when yeah. people respond to that, honestly. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've tried yeah. to get in the habit of if somebody asks me and I'm not trying to say that because if you can get over that hump and say no when someone asks if you're okay yeah that leads to that conversation and that communication happened yeah. fairly recently and i was like no and then a good conversation happened and i felt better yeah. so just so be honest did. but then yeah. miles goes yeah well our next move is heather neil in the hills so you got anything else you want to get off your chest to feel now's it <laughs> good time because i don't think we can point another gun at a customer i feel like we get Maybe like once a day. one of those a day or <laughs> a week or or never and then colin starts laughing he starts laughing and he says you pulling guns on people and i'm driving everything is upside down today crazy man. that reminds me of there's a scene in kings of summer did you ever see kings of summer i love kings you showed me kings of summer yeah, in yeah, yeah. college the end of Kings of Summer, they awesome. have this beef, and then they're driving with their parents, and they meet up, and they don't really hash things out, but they both look at each other, and then one of them, like, flips him the bird, and then they both slowly start to, like, smile, and it's this unspoken, like, yeah, we're still bros. Things are cool. And, like, this it. moment yeah. kind of reminded me of that, where, like, things are really intense, and then he was like, so, uh, and then it's just kind of back <laughs> yeah. to, like the buds which is nice and it feels different it feels like there has been this change which is why honestly if someone told me they were making a series i'd be stoked and i'd believe it because i could absolutely watch their adventures and them like you could just you have know, fun and better job and like <laughs> navigating oakland yeah. and all the crazy moves they do and them you know, rapping or, you know, trying to make it or doing these different things i could absolutely see that and i would watch the shit out of that show yeah, um, I. One of the last lines, <laughs> if I may, uh, mm-hmm. they start talking about the Oakland Raiders because their next move is the quarterback's girlfriend, and and Colin asks Miles, he's like, "So are you gonna like not be a fan anymore?" <laughs> and then Miles says, "Don't be absurd, Colin. That would be disloyal of me to do. I can't stoop to their <laughs> level. I'm just mad at them for forcing me into this very confusing position. Loyalty is tricky, Colin. It's a moving target." He's Which, right. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And he's totally and right. I, I just remarked on the thought that even their sort of throwaway gags like that, it still manages to touch on something important and it talks about loyalty yeah, yeah. and gets that yeah. one last thing in about Because usually friendship I feel like in life else. 
when people are joking, there's there's you know there's truth in comedy. I hate to be that guy, but like when <laughs> there, you're fucking what? around with people, there's what in comedy? When you're messing around with people, like you do, you know, you joke about the stuff that you're actually mm-hmm. experiencing, and it may be so painful or whatever, but you do kind yeah. of joke about it. So it does always have those kind of real meanings mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, so. The other thing that was interesting about this is it's set in the Bay Area. Uh, Before we moved on, I just wanted to talk a little bit about gentrification in the real world. Um, There's a rolling shot sort of montage at one point that show first old homes, then construction, and then new luxury apartments. And Uh I can tell you from living here in the Bay Area, that hit home because I'm so used to seeing stuff get torn down and then what comes up is literally I'm I'm not making this it, it's always expensive housing or fancy offices yeah. and nothing in always. between nothing else is the getting built the same here in L- LA it's starting to ha- we it's have, the same like thing yeah, is starting to happen this, here this booming tech business and it's just taking over everything like a goddamn virus um I got a couple quotes from the San Jose Mercury News um this was actually reporting from June 18th 2020 it's a little thingy uh basically this isn't the quote, but the gist is the Bay Area has the highest rate of gentrification in the country. Yeah. Um, this is the quote, in fact, and I'll make this as quick as I can and we'll move on. In a 2019 report, uh, the partnership found the mounting cost of housing hit households of color hardest. A 30% increase in rents, for example, led to a nearly 30% decline in low-income minority residents in Bay Area communities. Existing white residents, however, were likely to stay put as their neighborhood changed, the study found. Families with a household income of $100,000 about the median income in the Bay Area could not afford the typical rent in 7 out of 10 zip codes in the region, including all of San Francisco, San Mateo, and Marin counties. For a family earning less than $64,000, common for a two-minimum-wage worker household, no Bay Area neighborhoods had an affordable median apartment rent. It's fucking, end quote, it's fucking bad, people. It's free market, baby. It's out of control. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's, and that is the backdrop, right? That is, that's why you have these characters who have this pain and this identity crisis because the place, you know, before anything else that's happening in their lives, it feels like the ground is being pulled out from underneath them. Uh And it fucking sucks. I, I live with my folks at the moment, and when I'm not, it won't be in the Bay Area because I can't afford to. So I don't think anyone. It's a very, can. I think that's very real thing. It's very sad. It's very crappy. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, let's do some frames. You got one. Let's. You let's got do some frames. one. I'm stuck between. Do you have two. one? Okay. Whoa, two. Is, that's like an all-time low for you. <laughs> It is an all-time low for me. Um, and stop me if this, if either of these is is yours. Um, I really nope. liked when they're trying to sell the boat. When they're trying Ooh, to sell the sailboat. That's a great frame. That's a really amazing. great frame. Um, the other one that I think sort of encapsulates this movie a bit more, and I actually remember noticing it when I first watched this, was when they pull up to the party, and it's mm-hmm. just this shot of these two super modern new homes flanked mm. by older really? Oakland yeah. homes. Yeah. And it's just kind of the movie in a nutshell. Um, as a bonus, the super fancy car shows up and immediately people at the party come out and start taking selfies Ooh, with it. Yeah. So, so I, 
I haven't decided yet which one I like. So you talk about yours and then I'll pick one. Um, I have two really shallow ones. Um, shallow, like you feel bad about it or what? They're just like, they have nothing to do with the movie That's really. Fine. I just liked, I thought they were funny. Uh, the... The 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 one that I liked was when it pulls back at that first scene and it shows the car with the huge wheels. I just, I just think it's a really great shot. Very funny reveal. Um, and then the second one that I just think is too funny is Chet with the fucking scorpion bowl. Like the shot of him holding the scorpion bowl and being like, oh. And the <laughs> like, narrator's so like, excited. his balls dropped in that moment. His balls dropped. <laughs> He grew hair on his chest. His balls dropped. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, those <laughs> shots I think are funny. And I I kind of want to pick the scorpion bull one, but that feels like a cop-out, so I'm going to go with the car. Damn, okay. If you're going to pick the car, I'll do the sailboat because it oh, doesn't yeah. have the car in it. My other one has the car in it. But I mean, I could pick scorpion bull guy. No, no. I might just, <laughs> I might draw an extra one and we'll just throw it in as a little bonus frame. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Hell yeah. Rad. We'll see how productive I'm feeling this week, huh? Fuck yeah. All right. Who is your nomination for The Fool? This is going to be a hard one. Um, kind of stuck between the two main characters. Um, I kind of want to pick both. I kind of do too. Look, keep, I okay. feel like we can't keep copping out with just picking. No, both. what? That's not a cop out. <laughs> Look, I here's the thing. I firmly believe that the fool of the week is a conversation. Mm. Um, I think it's yeah. almost more about honoring the good work that went into this and the writing as well. Which in this wow. week's case is a marriage it's of the writers. The two. Because the two main actors are the writers, and that's so cool. Yeah. They're childhood friends. They spent nine years working on this screenplay, and they fucking knocked it out of the park. And they, did a good they job. both brought such great energy into it. Um, their friendship I was think entirely what, believable. I think so that's good. what, like, with all the problems that I have with this movie, visually, directorially, I think the thing that mm -hmm. makes it good is. Mm -hmm that authenticity of the two of them. And most yeah. movies, when you see it, there is an authenticity behind it that really, like, nails it, you know? Yeah. And honestly, like, what perfect authorship for a story that has its roots in such real shit going on? Like, if yeah. this was from someone in New York and they're like, hey, I moved to Oakland and I just, I felt like this, this you know, problem needed our attention and then made a movie about it, I'd be like, mm, okay. Well, but that felt that, that feels like a two documentary. Guys that grew up, you know, one in Oakland, one in Berkeley, and they made a movie because they felt like Oakland wasn't getting the right representation in movies, it's, and I, I, they I spent keep, all this time on this. I keep drawing back so to Last Black Man in San Francisco, and I hate to keep doing this, but I realized another thing that was very similar between these two movies is the director. Mm -hmm. And the main character, the main actor, both wrote this together. Uh, and it was there based off the actor's experience. And the director was white. It was a white dude and a black dude. Same. I mean, not the same. And they were buddies, you know, right? They were like. Yeah, they were not childhood super friends, good but, friends. Like, yeah. Hypothetically, I don't know. But it's I find those two similarities very cool. Um, oh, I thought you were going to be like, hypothetically, you and I could, you know, 
make something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could make something. You know, we That's could not make some art. Yeah, so... I think it's both. It's a buddy comedy. It's both. It's yeah. got to be both. God fucking damn it. Now I got to draw both of them. <laughs> It'll be cool. I'm, You'll do I a great still, job. I still haven't drawn last week's portrait, and I'm like getting close to the day that it needs to be ready. That's a little peek behind the curtain is Henry's overwhelmed Ooh. with the art this week. Um, you no, know you're not. You only got one left. You're good. I know. I crushed the rest of it, if I do say so myself. Um, okay. So both? Both. 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 They're both I so vote good. both. They both did such a good job. Hats yes. off to you both, Davy Diggs and Rafael Casal. Anyway, good All stuff. All right, my dudes. Join us next week for a probably less funny Oakland movie. Yeah. What are we watching next week? Fruitvale Station, baby. I'm very Ryan excited Kugler, about that. I like Hometown I Boy. Kugler. And yeah. Michael B. Jordan. Representing the Bay. Killmonger himself. Yeah. All right. Uh, frame heads or... Oh, no. Uh, I know. That's not a good one. I'm trying to think of like a cool Our, nickname. Uh, the Fools. The fool, Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of that. All right, Fools. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure to check out our Instagram page for the Frames and the Fools. Um, and you know, give us a, a follow on there and do all the Apple podcast stuff. It's very helpful for us and enjoy the rest if of your you night. Were, yeah. And just to button it all up. Um, yeah, these topics are real things. Uh, go out and research some stuff. Uh, a lot of good movements happening concerning uh, police brutality and the lack of oversight in that realm. So Black Lives Matter is a great place to start. Looking at resources, mm-hmm. places to petition, donate. Um, they've got good education resources. The whole shebang. So Google Black Lives Matter. And yeah, catch you next time. We'll see you next time, homeboys. Oh,